behavior, bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey, and it is episode 43. And I have decided to take it on me to make the rhyme for today. I already made one, if you didn't hear it right there. 43. Oh my gosh, I love to get outside and look at the tree because we're in quarantine. So that's 43, our rhyme for you this week. We are so excited for our podcast today because we have one of our BFFs on, which is so, so cool. And we'll get to that soon. But before we get started, it is time for the review of the day. Casey, bring it to us, baby. All right. This one might be (laughs) one of my most favorites ever. (laughs) Uh, It's from Allie E. And the title is You Got It, Girl. Five stars. (laughs) I'm cracking up right now because if anyone ever listens to our stuff um, in Study Notes ABA, Ellie Ron, her husband, is an Israeli and he always comes in and sings like you got I wish we could like import his song right now but you got it girl you got it girl <laughs> um so it goes these girls have got it you've got it girl in Ellie Ron's singing voice they are like the two best friends you never knew you were missing studying for the BCBA exam can be very aversive but Liat and Casey make it so fun with all of their resources even if you aren't into ABA, these girls are so relatable in their topics and guests. Love you, mean it. We love you, mean it, Allie. Wow, that was so cool. You I love got it. it, girl. You got it, girl. Okay. <laughs> he would always. So the other thing Ellie Ron says to me is, Casey, baby. Like all the time. Like, and I go, Ellie Ron, baby. It's like our like lingo. It's the only way we really relate to each other. It's so funny. I love it. It's that. like the only thing they have in common. It's cute. All right. So today, disclaimer, before we get into anything we're going to talk about today, you know, we got to protect our ass. And so you guys don't think we're more professional than we are. So we are not professionals in the area we are talking about today. We'll let you know what we're going to be talking about. We're just discussing something which is interesting. And our guest today has experienced and we have experienced as bystanders watching her go through it. And so we're talking about this from a behavioral angle because duh, behavior bitches love to look at things from a behavior angle. Duh, duh, duh. So we're going to talk about this today, but we, in our, if you're in an unsafe relationship, please reach out to the places we provided in our show notes. We have the National Domestic Abuse Hotline, hotline 1-800-799-SAFE. And even though today's episode is not necessarily about physical abuse, it is about narcissism. And we're going to get into it, but let me introduce our guest who I'm super excited about. Our guest today is someone that you have probably met before. She joined our Study Notes ABA family eh, probably seven months ago, maybe eight. I have no idea. She'll be more accurate when she comes on. She reached out to me when she was a BC ABA and she's like, hey, I'm obsessed with tech. I love ABA. I love tech. I'm taking my BCBA exam in like a week and I'm going to pass it because I'm smart as fuck. I remember Liat had reached out to me saying, oh my gosh, there's this girl who is like tech savvy. I think we're going to do an app. And I'm like, an app? I'm like, you know, you and I do not have those skills in our repertoire. That is not going to fucking happen. (laughs) And um, I 
remember the time that she actually flew out to Dallas to meet Liat, and I was super jealous that I actually had to also fly out. Like I was pissed. I'm like, uh-uh, this bitch is not stepping on my toes. So I flew out. A little EO action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long-standing joke too for people that know us, but um. I flew out too, met her. She could not be the most smartest, beautiful, kindest, um, giving. She was now a BCBA. Please yes. note she is now a BCBA. Um, and she was supposed to come to Dallas for three days, which turned into how many weeks? It was a long time. Was it? I want to say it was like three weeks the first time. And then I came back for like round two, right? Yeah. And I was out there for I, 10 days, which for my husband was like way too much. 10 days was enough. But um, I was so ex- I was just lucky I enough. Nomadic to- tendencies. I was lucky enough to spend this time with Carol. Oh, I just dropped her name. Here we go. Um, but and it was awesome to really, um, you know, everyone's always like, oh, we had this thing called fucking Carol, right? Like, we always were like, it, it was our big joke, fucking Carol. Because I was, so, was like, jealous. so jealous that Carol came to Dallas and met me before Casey actually met me in real life. And <laughs> yeah. Casey would always be like, fucking Carol. So it's been a running joke ever since. And I think we haven't made up the name of the episode yet, but I think we, we should call it that. <laughs> <laughs> then people want to notice about. I didn't Fucking know girl. that that's where that started. Yeah, I thought y'all were, I thought y'all were quoting um, bridesmaids this whole time. <laughs> oh, so get Carol. your shit together, Carol. <laughs> no, Casey would be like, "Fucking Carol, how's fucking Carol doing at your house, Leah?" I, I actually didn't say fucking Carol. Leah would be like, "Are you jealous?" And she'd be like, "Fucking Carol," and I'm like, "Yeah, fucking Carol." Like I'm flying out there tomorrow. <laughs> but no, guys. And all like truth. Then we went to Texaba together, all of yeah, us, the three of us. Yeah, um, went to Texaba. We had a blast. Uh, I remember the first Rented day we met. Airbnb. Yeah, she had an Airbnb. It was mm-hmm. the first day Liat and I had met. If you guys have listened to the podcast or any of our like Instagram stories, it was amazing. Liat, I was worried like shit, I might not even like Liat and this podcast might just go to like total trash. Um, luckily, we like <laughs> could totally connect with like, each other. And I really like Carol too. We connected instantly. We cuddled in bed with face masks and like hair towels like wrapped up and like stuck together. A few hours after meeting. Right? Yeah, Carol and I totally had like three nights in the same bed. I love her like a sister and talk to her frequently about any situations that we may be facing in this field that we're in. Um, and it's nice to have someone to connect with and also someone that you um, have finally met in person. So Carol, we're so happy to have you. Thanks guys. And just throwing that back, um, Leah and Casey were there for me through, I would say one of the hardest times I often compare um, those few months um, that, you know, like we went through this or I went through this with y'all around um, to my divorce. And I would say it was much more difficult. And they literally sat on a carpet <laughs> in a room and like held me while I cried. They, they're such good friends. Um, and I'm glad we, I had y'all there through, through this. So aren't you guys wondering what she's talking about? No, it wasn't. Yes, I was there for her when she rated for her BCBA results. Thank God she passed me. Yeah. I don't know if I had it in me to deal if she didn't because she was staying at my house. But this <laughs> that is... Been real. We were like sitting at a Mexican restaurant and I'm like, you passed. It's cool, girl. Um, kind of hoping she didn't pass because I knew she'd have a stronger MO to like create cooler content for us. But she still, even when she became a BCBA, she created cool content. 
Um, but you're probably wondering what we're talking about, and we're going to get to it now. And today's topic is super interesting, and it is narcissism. Woo! You're probably not cheering if you've ever dealt with someone who is a narcissist. You're probably like, boo, right? It is something really shitty to deal with. And um, because we're all behavior analysts, we've done our research and look, and Carol did a lot of research also about narcissism and um, just the interesting behaviors related and different things we're going to analyze today behaviorally. But before we get started, because we are behavior analysts, I think it's important that we operationally define what is narcissism. And I am going to tell you what it is right now, according to the American Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the DSM-5, you might have heard of it. And um, narcissist personality disorder is defined as comprising a pervasive pattern of grandiosity in fantasy or behavior, a constant need for admiration and lack of empathy, beginning by early adulthood and presenting in a variety of contexts as indicated by the presence of at least five of the following nine criteria. All right. They need to have a grandiose, grandiose sense of self-importance, a preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love, a belief that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high status people or institutions, a need for excessive admiration, a sense of entitlement, interpersonally exploitive behavior. We'll have to break that down further because we know what you consider exploitative and what I consider exploitive might be different, but we will have that broken down. A lack of empathy, empathy, envy of others, or a belief that others are envious of him or her, and a demonstration of arrogant or haughty behaviors or attitudes. Woo, that was word guys. That is a long, wordy-ass explanation. And today, Carol offered to come on because she has had first-hand experience of dating a narcissist. And so we are going to explain, or Carol's going to help us understand, and I know she's done her research, searched behavioral articles. And I know all I could say is it was painful as hell on the side. This is not about me at all, but it was painful as hell on the sidelines watching someone who you're like, you're such a powerful chick. What is going on? Why are you going back to this? Um, and I, I think there's a lot of different behavioral principles involved in this. And so, Carol, why don't you just talk to us a little bit about a past relationship you were in? Okay, so first, I have been um, in several relationships that I feel like I can relate the material I've been reading about to. Um, and they were very different relationships, but the um, most recent one or more recent one was actually um, a new level of toxic um, that I had never, I have a pretty, uh, like my, I have a close relationship with my family, a very healthy relationship with them. I've had healthy relationships with my friends. Um, even my um, ex-husband, our relationship was not healthy, I would say, but it wasn't toxic, which is odd. Um, so a little background there, he, we were married, we were together for eight years, um, and we essentially went our separate ways. 
um, it was a very um, easy breakup, which is odd. Um, I guess not toxic is what I mean by easy. Very not not dramatic at all. Um, I mean, it but, still sucked ass. Yeah. So uh, anyways, after the divorce, I found out he had cheated on me the whole time, essentially. <laughs> um, so it wasn't a healthy relationship, but it wasn't toxic like this more recent one. Um, and so when I got into this relationship, I remember thinking I found like the man of my dream. Um, he was interested in knowing about my last relationship and why it didn't work, which I thought was so cool. I was like, oh my gosh, he wants to know why my ex-husband and I didn't work out so he can make sure that he meets my needs. And in hindsight, I think it was a very manipulative move on his part. He ended up using those things against me and withholding the things that I needed um, as we got further into the relationship as a form of punishment, essentially. Um, and so when we started the relationship, it was what I've now read up on and understand as love bombing um, and essentially comparing it to like, so wait, can we find, well, before you get into that one, Carol, I want to okay. back up. Cause I want to get into love. I want to, no, no, you're great. No, I want to just get okay. into like, that's a whole cycle we're going to talk about, right? Like the cycle okay. of the um, narcissistic okay. relationship, right. That you were in. Yeah. And it's so incredible that you're able to come here and share this with us. Like, and I also have been through one as well. Never knew it till I was out of it. Right. You're on the other side and you're like, Whoa, there's that big rainbow of narcissistic person I was with. Whoa. Like mm -hmm. super clear. Um, um, so when we get, I want just to first, when you talk about that, I want to frame it. That that's what we're talking about. Right. Like there's a cycle, right? If you are out there and I want this to be for anyone out there that's listening, that, may feel that they're in this position, like they're like dealing with someone like this, or they're in a relationship with someone like this, whether it be professional or personal, um, what it looks like from the outside. So we're going to talk about that behaviorally now, and Carol mm -hmm. will break that down for you guys. And also like what interventions that you can do, um, to kind of like remove yourself. Um, and that's kind of mm -hmm. what we want to frame this episode on. And just to let you guys know that you're not alone. Like this badass bitch, Carol, BCBA, smart as fuck. She does literally, she created an entire app. Like she's so smart, right? It doesn't, narcissistic people don't just pick random. It's not like you're like a weak individual that you fell to this, right? I'm not a weak individual, right? No. Those so, yeah. are both two big misconceptions um, that I've read up on also. So like the first misconception is that narcissists are end up in relationships with weak people. And it's actually um, very opposite from what I've read up on because they, the people that stay usually end up being, um, you know, empaths and wanting to help them. And so yeah. they stay in the relationship out of like a strength, you know, like, oh, I care about this person and I can help them. And I, you know, like you have this deeper level of understanding and compassion that keeps you in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. You want to help them, like fix them, be like, what can I do? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so it makes sense. We're in a fix it field, right? Like a lot of stuff we're like, oh, we could just totally fix these behaviors. Let me write a program. I mean, 
it's already hard enough for me to get Elevon to quit smoking, let alone like someone who has a personality, you know, disorder, something that they've been reinforced with or they've been engaging in specific behaviors for their entire life. But I just want to get started just going back to the beginning, Carol. So when you first met this person, I'm assuming you didn't like what are they what are people with this type of you know, or who are narcissists doing from the beginning, you know, because I know with abuse, we've done a podcast on abuse before or on our, you know, and it's not like it starts off. They're not an asshole to start. I I think they're probably quite the opposite. Yeah, no. Yeah. Very opposite. So essentially it's like grooming. Um, So they put you on a pedestal. Um, They want to find out more information. um, And even if they think they're finding out the information um, about you because they want to know more about you or want to help you, they end up using this information um, against you later on. So it's like a very honeymoon stage, a lot of flattery, a lot of attention. Um, I remember specifically telling this guy what I was missing from my relationship with my ex-husband and him going above and beyond that first month, maybe like month or two um, to meet those needs. And I remember I was in awe, like previously, you know, and I had been dating for several years at this point. Um, Other guys, they don't want to hear about your ex, right? Like they kind of, find it offensive when you sit there and like bring up your ex. Whereas he was asking questions and trying to get that information. Um, And it was very flattering for me. It seems like he was pairing. What we call an ABA is pairing, pairing (laughs) himself as a reinforcer, making himself highly valuable. Wow. And I mean, I could just reference assessment. (laughs) Yes. Figuring out like, okay, wow. She didn't Mm -hmm. have that. She clearly has a need for this. Okay, her ex obviously wasn't loyal, so I'm going to show that I have an extreme sense of loyalty, right? So, like, playing into all those establishing operations, knowing what's valuable, you're pairing, oh, my God, wow, you're so amazing. Like, and I'm also, obviously, because I have the angle of being a friend, I also saw it firsthand and being like, you know, I remember when we first met, her saying like, yeah, this guy's so great. I mean, what happened with my ex with this? Like he literally is the complete opposite. He like wants me to be my own independent woman. Whereas like, I couldn't be that at all with my ex. My ex didn't want me working, doing this, doing that. And so I just feel so blessed. So I I, I found that really interesting. Just looking at it externally of being like, wow, this person literally has a solution for everything she was ever missing. Mm-hmm. Which everything. is so that's, that's the start, I would say. So people don't be like, well, I would never be that dumb to get into something like this um, as it goes on. So let's keep hearing about the progression. Okay. Um, so essentially, looking back, there were obviously red flags. Um, so in looking at my actions, I would say um, I see so many red flags now that I'm in a healthy relationship and I see that the way I'm acting in this relationship, like I felt the need to um, like make sure my family loved this guy. Right. Like I talked about him to my family and I like 
was like, oh, he's so amazing. He's, you know, asking all these, doing all the things. Like I felt the need to try to get my best friends to love him. Um, and then I kept a lot of like my own little diary um, about his actions and about like my responses and my thoughts. Um, and it's funny looking like now reading up on it and looking at those actions, those are very common. Um, first, you know, like indications that you could be in an unhealthy relationship with a narcissist. Um, Cause you feel the need to document everything um, to defend yourself almost. And you feel very unheard because um, everything slowly progresses into being like your fault. And so anyways, looking back, I have, pictures of text messages saved i have um notes permanent products journals. people permanent <laughs> products yeah. and like why do you really feel the need to do that unless you were feeling it's, some kind of unsettled right yes and it's really hard to look back like i just opened them up today to kind of try to remember some of the things that i um don't like, worry i can remind you if you need i can remind you <laughs> 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 yeah. And so, um, but and there's even more, you know, like these are very personal notes, very. And so like looking back at them, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I was, I was journaling this and still in denial about it. You know, like somebody that sits there and tells you um, the only thing you bring to the table essentially is like sex. That's like, uh, that's just shitty thing to say to somebody. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So anyways, the relationship like progressed pretty quickly. Um, it was, you know, a bunch of like the honeymoon phase. I thought he was the one he wanted to give me everything I needed. He went out of his way to, um, and just as quickly as that honeymoon phase progressed, it progressed very quickly into like a toxic relationship, like waking up, uh, waking me up and fighting with me in the middle of the night um, when we had gone to bed and everything was fine. <laughs> um, Can you share that example, like a little bit of it? Oh, that happened multiple times. Yeah. So the first time it happened, I remember like sleeping and I, it's really creepy. I woke up and he was like standing over me. Um, and I was just like, is everything okay? And he's like, I can't sleep. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, like, what's going on? Let's talk. And he essentially went on to tell me that he thinks I need to leave. This was like at two in the morning, um, that I need to leave because he doesn't think I'm the one. And this is probably, this is like the big first like fight that we had. Um, and again, it was like out of nowhere on my end. And, um, he essentially was like, you just have these like blinders on. You think everything's good in the world. Like you think like you want this fairy tale love. And he's like, that's not what it's about. You like know nothing. Like it was just, it was a very odd experience. I remember talking to my best friend about it. Um, and at this point I hadn't met Leah or Casey. And well, I, you're and lucky you met us. <laughs> I know I'm so lucky y'all were there for me doing this. Um, no, I, I am. Um, if I could have got my hands remember, on him, trust me. <laughs> so my best friend is essentially like the Albanian version of Liat. <laughs> oh, which so, is like really scary. Course, it's really scary. <laughs> um, and, 
Yeah, so I essentially told her about this fight, and that was when, it, like, the tox, like the toxic, um, I guess, relationship really like started full speed. Um, because then, you know, he he wasn't getting validated from her, and she's very set in her ways, and she's not one to like step down or you know, um, just like nod to just like avoid conflict. Um, and so after that one incident it just spiraled. I think that one, so do you think this, Carol, so I was in one, a relationship with my ex-husband, very narcissistic, and I didn't realize this until, and I'm putting this out there right now, and I'll probably stress about it later, but, um, (laughs) but you stress about everything, so you stress about everything, so like, like, I can't stop, I've already done it, um, someone reached out to me who also listens to the podcast and had an a uh, similar experience as a friend with my ex-husband with the manipulation and all these things. Um, and it validated my feelings like, Whoa, okay. Like I, like I had to take a minute to be like, wow, like the stress and the things that I went through, I'm not alone. First of all, like mm-hmm. I wasn't the crazy one. Um, I didn't do this to myself. I'm not the, you know, the cause of this. Um, but do you think that like, um, there was maybe like signs like right now, like you're talking about like that, like him standing over you at night or like whatever it may be. Right. Like where you're like, okay. Like early on, like too, it's like very like honeymoon. Oh my God, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. But like early signs too, of like maybe just like personality traits that could make up this kind of person. 100% there were signs and that is what's so scary about it because I look back at like my notes and my journal and I am like saying on one end like these are the things you said to me and I don't think it's nice and I don't think it's right and kind of like fuck you and then I'm also like but I do appreciate that you know like you're going out of your way to give me like what my ex-husband didn't and I do see that you're trying and I do like if you have an issue like I was it was like a mind fuck you know like I I mean and that it be, very quickly becomes an addiction um yeah, a habit right and you're, like used to doing yeah it. the signs so, were there I knew it was unhealthy I knew it was scary um and I stayed so let me tell you guys something this is behavior 101. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not, I'm, I don't have any specialty in um, narcissistic personality disorder. But what I can tell you is that I have a great understanding of a variable ratio schedule of reinforcement. <laughs> Let me tell you, a variable schedule of reinforcement means on an average amount. So like, let's say it's like on an average of 10, okay? Every 10 responses or something, or it could also be a, you know, a variable interval about every two weeks. Things are so good, right? When you are in a place where things get so shitty and they have broken you down so much that that little bit of reinforcement, like, I mean, I wouldn't say my, like I had, I was with a narcissist in the past, but I've been in a relationship where we just like suck together. And like all those fights and stuff would be worth it because when things were good, once in a blue moon, or on a variable schedule of reinforcement, it was so good, right? And so 
I think it's really important the same way that people become addicted to drugs or like it sucks all the side effects of your skin getting bad and like your teeth falling out. But that high when you have it is so worth it. And I think that's a lot of the reason as to why what at least what I've seen a lot of like research on people staying in narcissistic relationships or, you know, people who have Stockholm syndrome or anything of those sorts is when you have those positive feelings or that positive reinforcement, it's so valuable. So people stay a lot. And, and we know that, that those schedules are the most resistant to extinction. They maintain behavior the most. So, I mean, just looking at it behaviorally, why someone would stay in an abusive or a narcissistic or um, any sort of relationship that ultimately as an outsider, we could look at it and be like, Carol, get the fuck out. That is toxic. That is exactly what we were saying on the outside. But, um, you know, it took her getting to a certain point. But either way, I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, well, and not only do they have, um, you know, you see these intermittent schedules of reinforcement, but you see like differential reinforcement going on in these cycles. There's extinction at play. There's punishment at play. Um, it's a very, like a very, when you look at it, once once I had that light bulb moment, um, I was able to kind of like see it from, you know, like a different perspective. Um, and take the steps that I needed to get out of it. Um, but while you're in it, I mean, we're, we're all, our behavior is um, but I, what we're yeah, I, for. Our behavior, you don't even realize it. It's like, that's why I think we should, break it. down, we should break down our environment. Yeah. We should break down that cycle now. Like, Let's behaviorally. Do Let's do it. Like, I love there's this um, cycle of, um, basically the narcissistic abuse cycle. And I want it to not be read by like Liat and I, who are like, you know, I've also been through it, but like Carol, like go through like a, an actual normal or like not normal, real example, fucking normal, but yeah, real yeah. example that you can walk us through that and we can post this and share so, it in our show notes. Yeah. So essentially the cycle she's talking about is called narcissist. Um, relationship cycle. Um, and so what happened in my experience is my best friend, she was desperate at this point, And most of, you know, like, my people were, <laughs> and she sent me this YouTube video on narcissism. Um, and that kind of was my big light bulb moment. And they talked about this cycle in the YouTube video. So I went and researched it. And essentially, and, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my relationship. How scary. Um, but, you know, it's a part of science, like what I was going through. You know that now, but at the time, I, this is so foreign to me. I had had healthy-ish relationships, <laughs> at least like avoiding conflict my whole life. You know, I hadn't had like a toxic relationship like this. And so um, during the like idealized stage, the honeymoon stage, um, they're love bombing you, right? They are finding out all of your needs. They're making sure they meet them all, all of your wants. They're giving you everything you want. They're flattering you. They're charming, all the good things. Reinforcement. Um, then, yeah, all the reinforcement, all the pairings, um, all the preference assessments. And then um, as soon as they feel threatened um, or as soon as you kind of respond in a way that they 
um, don't like. So maybe you call them out on an action or something like that. Like I remember mine was I called him out on lying. And I want to say it was like lying to like something to do with work or something. It had nothing to do with me, but I was like, Oh, that's not cool. Like, why do you lie? And he was just like, uh, he had a, he had a reason. I, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like, um, well, they do this and it's unethical. So I'm going to do this. And that's, that's just what it is. And so we got into this argument essentially about lying, cheating and stealing. And his viewpoint was if I love somebody and when I find my person, I will lie, cheat and steal for them. And I was like, absolutely not. Like that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Like, you know? And so I think he felt threatened. Um, and so essentially the next part of the cycle is they devalue you. Um, so I think Carol, you were too much like you're, you're an incredible woman, right? Like you were too much for a narcissistic to deal with. Like that's what the cycle was. Like he was threatened by you. Well, yeah. And, um, essentially like anyone in a relationship with a narcissist, they go through this because narcissists, they put themselves on their, this pedestal. Right. And so, you're never going to be good enough, right? In that honeymoon stage, they make you feel like you're good enough. Um, but very quickly, as soon as you get out of, like they're in the honeymoon stage too, right? Like, so they probably think you're this, they they really idolize you. Um, and that is a common trait for narcissists. They idolize these people. And, um, but when you're in a relationship, you quickly find out people's flaws, right? And so- as soon as they start to find out your flaws and start to like, you're not good enough. You're they're out of the honeymoon phase. You might um, either not be good enough for them or you start to push back. Right. And either way they feel threatened. They start to devalue you. And it's essentially just extinction. They start withholding that reinforcement that you're so used to. Right. And so what happens when they start withholding reinforcement? Like you're not going to act, you're not going to, yeah, like praise them the same way you have been in that honeymoon phase. And you very quickly go to, um, what's the next part? Discarding. So I essentially, that's like a punishment phase, right? So they can become abusive and they tend to go back and forth through this cycle between the honeymoon stage and they devalue and discard you. Um, and then the last part of the cycle is hovering, right? Whenever, they start to miss you or that person doesn't, it doesn't work out with that person. They may come back and kind of read you out, right? Like, Hey, um, I'm going to Venmo you $5 (laughs) and tell you that I need some information for my ex, whatever it is, right. They're hovering. This is a true story, by the way. (laughs) This this is a true story. Um, Like after an intervention, (laughs) When Carol, and we'll it's get there, but spontaneous recovery. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just so checking yeah, in. They put them on extinction. Honeymoon. I mean, they discard devalue and then they start the honeymoon phase all over again. And we, you know, not we, but like, well, we, cause you and I have both done this and gone through this, but like it continues. It's not like a cycle that ends at the end of it. Right. It's not like, Oh, boom. And that's the end of it. No, we start again. Honeymoon phase starts again. Oh my God. Everything's fine. Maybe it was mm-hmm. me. You love me, right? Pull you back into it. They take like, he took me on this nice trip one time. 
Yeah. So yeah. like, it was really interesting externally. I, I can't say that I've been to the same thing, but watching it, I felt like I was very much so present for, I don't know what phases you could tell me what of this cycle. And, you know, I would I say this is the devaluing phase a hundred percent when he was well, doing there, her. but no, in the beginning when she was visiting me in Dallas, oh, right. it was like, he was, super... I'm thinking of the floor carpet moment. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll get there. But he was, it was like, I remember her literally telling me, like, I have this guy. It's so amazing. He's so supportive that I'm here to do this work with you. He supports me that, like, I quit my job to pursue this app and these tech things I want to do. It's so amazing. He He's going to help us. He's good at tech, whatever it is, right? And it was like, this is so, wow, this is so amazing. That's so amazing you have this. But then I remember it being, like, this constant stressor that I remember her being, like, oh my God, I have to go make sure I make this time to talk to him right now or he gets really upset. Like, I got to do this. Oh, wait, he wants me to send him pictures. Okay, okay, I'm here, I'm here in this. Whatever it was, right? It was like this like constant stress and feeling like she wasn't doing her part and being like, okay, I understand if he's upset because like, I mean, I kind of have come here and it was like constant reminders. It, he would constantly remind her of the things that he had done for her. So it was like he would do these things for her, but to use them as pure bait of like, hey, remember I'm the one here watching your dogs. I have your dogs, Okay. So you remember I'm doing this for you, right? And like, you know, and coming from a healthy relationship, I, I do know that like those are things that shouldn't have to be reminders all the time that you're doing this. But when you're in it, you're like, you're like, oh, wait, maybe I am being an asshole that I'm, I haven't spoken to them so much and they are doing this for me. So like you're constantly, at least what I saw externally and correct me if I'm wrong, I just felt like I was like more objective to it. It was like this you know, Liat, it's true. I do need to make that time. We, I do need to make time. It's, it's rude. Like, I know I sit here and I become like a workaholic and whatever it is. So, you know, you, you do have this guilt already. And like, you know, he does have my dogs. That's annoying. Let me see what I could do. And, and then it was like that. And, you know, I think you already were aware that like, okay, your best friend at home doesn't like this person. I don't want the person I'm staying with right now to have this thing against him too. So you kind of want to like hold this piece of like, putting yourself in the wrong. You understand why he's annoyed. Like, Leah, it's true. I really don't give time. I'm a total workaholic. You know, I don't check my phone, this and that. And, you know, when I look at it now in hindsight, it's like you were trying to prove something to me as well of like, I am an asshole. I, I can see why someone would be annoyed. Like kind of like setting it up in case he did get to a stage of being a real asshole. <laughs> um, yeah, no. And I felt the need to protect him. And especially like this went on for a very long time with my family. Like even after um, we broke up, it probably took me a week or two to tell my family um, after like the very end of it, which is still shocking looking back because I'm like, I went through this like very dark time and very scary time. And I, felt the need to protect this person over the people closest to me, you know, like I wanted them to like him so much. And I was like, if we get back together, like, I don't want this on like, you know, this kind of like cloud over our relationship or him. Um, and that's and what he kept saying to you. Remember you've created a cloud mm -hmm. over me and your family and friends are not going to like me because of what you've done over and over and over. So essentially, just a little background, um, during one of our conversations, my conversation with my ex-boyfriend, Casey and Liat were present, um, and it got very 
hostile and scary. And um, no, you were you were actually very down. calm. You were very calm. You were always calm. Yeah, I was calm, but it was just like a very intense conversation. And so I put him on speakerphone. They heard it all. So that's what they're referencing. And I mean, the thing that like stuck out to me a lot out of that conversation was like, he just kept saying he didn't give a fuck about anything about your feelings. He just cared how you made him look to your family and friends. He kept saying that over and over. It's already done, Carol. Like you've already ruined my reputation with your family and friends because I know they can hear us or you've told your friends, right? They hate me already. So, you've already done yeah, that. So, and I'm like, what? To let world? everybody know what happened. Yeah. So I was on the phone with him. I was he was on speakerphone. Um and and I stand by behind my decision. I know that's not like the coolest thing to do. No, but okay. And I'm sorry. You I, need to back it up one step. One step that okay. we were driving back from Texaba. You get a text from him being like, oh, hey, yes. I'm sorry. Like this is, this is, we are not explaining this with determinism. There was a clear antecedent. Okay. Carol received a text in the car. We're driving back from Houston to Dallas on our merry way. And she gets a text from him saying like, hey, I just want you to know I reached out to my ex because like you really haven't been available. And so I reached out to her. Okay, that is number one. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes. Like, I'm sorry. All of you guys are forgetting like the most important part. He essentially said it was my fault. He's like, just letting you know, I like reached out to my ex last night. um, It's totally normal. It's totally normal. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to share this conversation with you because, um, you are going to share it with your friends, which I had never done at this point. So I was like, my argument to that was like, no, just tell me not to share it. But like, if you just want this to be water under the bridge, share it so I can know that you weren't like cheating on me and we can move on. Um, so that was like, yeah, AM morning time. Um, and that escalated um, because he still refused to share the conversation with me. Um, and I am a very loyal person. Um, if I tell you that I'm not going to show something to um, and it's like confidential between you and I, I'm not going to show somebody <laughs> like um, I, that was like my argument. I had shown him and like I am in all of my relationships, but I'm very loyal and I will stand by what behind what I say I'm going to do. Um, and he was still just like, no, this is all your fault. And I'm not sharing that information with you. You don't deserve it. You're going to like screw things up. You're, he was calling me a drama queen at this point and saying I had embarrassed him so much in our relationship. And I was like, what are you referring and he said, to? If, if, pulling stuff. He said, if you really believe this is like, like just like a clear indicator of like a narcissist. It was like, okay, why do you need to know what I said to her? Why do you need to know if you trust me and you care about this relationship, if you have any sort of trust, you don't need to know what I said. That makes you want to I was like, is this guy bonkers? And by the way, at this point, Casey and I had already put our intervention of hating him in place. All right. Okay. There you go. <laughs> but also, guys, anyone listening, anyone listening right now, like this comes down to, and Carol can come out on the other side and say this too, that if it's not a fuck, yes, it's a fuck. No, like, right. Like in this mm-hmm. situation, Carol, there's been so many fuck no's, right? So it's so simple guys. Like it, it's, it's, we get, we make it so complicated to, figure out and detect all these signs. But like, after you get through it, I've been through it. When I met my husband, like it was a fuck yes from the beginning. The first day I met him, it was a fuck yes. And it's been a fuck yes for three and a half years. And it will continue to be that. And like, that's like the thing I hope some people take away. But anyways, go ahead. For sure. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So as that day progressed, I essentially was still going through this conversation with him and this disagreement. Um, and it started to escalate. I put him on speakerphone because I felt stuck and I felt unheard. And I mean, I had to, you know, like behavior analysts available. <laughs> we, we didn't even me. charge her for services. We didn't even charge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they were just being good friends. And so, yeah, I stand behind that decision, but um, I did put him on speakerphone and Leah did get fed up with how calm and um, how non-confrontational I was being. And she grabbed the phone <laughs> And everyone, everyone in the background is like, Leah, don't, no, no. They're all doing like, cut your I was sweating. I was, Ellie Ron came in and was like, no, Leah, no. I had kept my cool up until that point. I like burst into tears. I was like sweating in the corner. And I grabbed the phone and it went like this. I said, listen up and listen up really close. This is when I I knew it was the best friend you could ever have in this moment. I said, I said, listen up. I go, I have been listening to you and you sound like such a fucking dumbass. If anyone could hear you externally right now, like you should be embarrassed. You, the things you are saying to her, he said to her, I'm sorry to remind everyone, don't want to bring up anything. But by the way, Carol is with a fuck yes right now of a man. She's with the greatest guy in the world. And so that's why we could talk about this. Um, Guys, I don't keep a journal on him. Yeah, yeah that's, that's like, probably a fight like he's just amazing that's yeah. how Matt and I are yeah perfect I love it um but it was it got to the point of saying like on the conversation it was he was still telling her she was wrong in the fact that he needed to go reach out to his ex like it was just like bonkers and he's like and blaming it all on her and, like, he, and he said to her, like in the conversation it was literally like he had no punches to throw he kept saying things to her like I honestly understand why your ex cheated in the past like all these like he knew all her weak points because he had already like evaluated these from the get go and figured out what is her weakness, what is the most valuable to her. He understood why she cheated this and that. And I was like, listen, number one, bulldog came out hard. I, I'm a bulldog. If you like fuck with someone, I'm a hardcore Leo. And like, I will, I was like, you shut the fuck up right now. Like, I literally can't listen to you for him. And he's like, Oh no, I totally respect your opinion, Leah. Blah, blah, blah. Like that was the narcissist part of it. It was like, instead of arguing, it was like, I really hope you could see like the value that like I have as a person. I respect you so much. I was like, listen, I don't give a fuck if you respect me at all. I don't need you involved with making an app for us. <laughs> You're done. Whatever it is. Point is, I like chewed him out and spit him out, chewed him up, spit him out. It was and- so funny because I remember Eliron walked in the room and, and he, he was goes, like, Casey, he goes, Casey, come here. As Liat's yelling, and he goes, "What's going on?" Like he didn't know, and I was like, "Um, I can't tell you. It's like girl things right now. Like I don't know." And he's like, "Like worried about Liat." He's like, "Is she okay? Is she okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, she's fine. She's just going nuts." But the craziest part is this: you would think that would be like a tipping point in a relationship. The only thing he was concerned with after that fight was not like I just lost the best girl of my life. Was how are we going to make things cool again that Liat and your friends don't think I'm such a shitty person? And that's a really defining feature that you read about a narcissist in the DSM. Um, it talks about their concern of what others will think of them. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my God. 
Like he, he literally got to the point of telling her that she's a shitty behavior analyst. She has no idea what to do as a behavior analyst. Um, like literally everything she had pursued in her life. Sorry, I got to be the one to remind you here. That's what best friends are for, you know? Um, yeah, everything, yeah. That she had, <laughs> like, everything she had pursued in her life, she sucked at. Right. And, and that's like that callous and unemotional traits, right? If you're callous yeah, and, and unemotional, like it's a symptom. And now you'd think yeah, she'd be it. done. You'd think she'd be done. But the narcissist bites back. Yeah, wow. so the, <laughs> love, the cycle continues. We went straight from this val or deval discarding back into honeymoon. Um, he essentially, yeah, he pulled me back in a few more times after that. Um, Guys, we were angry. And, we were sad and angry <laughs> as best yeah, friends. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. All of my friends were. I was on the verge of losing friends. Um, and I mean, thankfully everybody, you know, just wanted what was best for me and did stick by me in the end. Um, but I, you know, can only imagine how that was for y'all. That must have sucked. Um, I'm sorry. Girl, no, we got no. you all the time. That's what friends no, are for. You're not sorry. It was just like painful to watch as an external yeah. person. It wasn't yeah. like I was in the relationship, but externally it was like gag, you know? But yeah. Carol, I it's had been really- through it. So I, I knew it. I knew it 100%. I knew you were going to go back because I went back. I knew that you would learn at some point that you are such an amazing individual that you would rise above it, but you were in the pattern. And when you're but in the what pattern- changed? What changed? What, yeah, what was your you deciding moment? Because this doesn't mean you're Guys, weak. Like, what happened? It was knowledge. It was, honestly, like, you can be in this field, right? Like, I- um, at this point, I was a BCBA. I have been working in this field for years, and I have this like crazy obsession with behavior and understanding it. The truth is, I had not experienced a toxic relationship like that. I was sucked in, and um, as soon as my best friend sent me, and I, so people are always throwing these words around, especially when you know your two of your best friends are behavior analysts as you're like sitting there going through this. Um, oh, he's a narcissist. Oh, you know, like he's doing this. Like they're throwing behavior. behavior. Yeah, they're throwing all these like behavioral principles at me. And the truth is, like you hear narcissist, you hear the word narcissist, and it's very overused. Um, Same like psycho. And like there's a lot psycho. of misconceptions. Well, and I just think of like self-interested, you know, but. Once I got that YouTube video from Eva, my best friend, um, and I started talking about, you know, narcissism with Leah and Casey and reading up on it, I, I had my light bulb moment. And it, even after I had my light bulb moment, I had to go back through and see it for myself several other times, several more times. Um, and I just remember that last um, interaction, it was just the craziest experience, like knowing what was going on and knowing the cycle now and understanding all the behavior, um, behavioral principles that were, you know, taking place and still like experiencing it. And so, so I you're like, Oh, okay, go ahead. Time. Love bomb me. I know your love bomb's coming. Come on. Love baby. bombed me one night. Um, it, it was just like, Oh, you know, like you're so beautiful, all the flattery, all the, you're amazing, all the affection. And then he woke up and he was like, oh, let's go to San Diego. Let's plan this trip. Like, blah, blah, blah. We woke up the next morning and 
cold again. And it was like, I'm not planning that San Diego trip with you. I can't see a future with you. Um, I'm not going to plan anything more than two weeks. These are exact words. I'm not going to plan anything more than two weeks in advance with you because I can't see me um, dealing with you longer than that. This came out of nowhere, guys. (laughs) I had just woken up, like didn't even have my coffee yet. He would start talking again about how I'm the worst behavior analyst because I can't fix our relationship and just like really mean stuff. Um, And I remember like thinking at that time, I was just calm and I was like, okay, okay. But I was actually laughing in my head that last time because I was like, man, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I do know what's going on now. (laughs) And And so I just played it cool and I was like, you know what? I agree. Like, let's, you know, like, I'm the worst. I'm and, the worst. You're right. I'm like, actually, like, I, did, I have a I really like, great resume. What, but yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was just, I put him on that pedestal to avoid conflict. And I went home and I cut off all contact. <laughs> Thank the fucking Lord. <laughs> a good old extinction speaking procedure. Of, yes. Speaking of, should we get into intervention? Yeah, yeah, what is the intervention? Give us those interventions, Carol. Fucking Carol, so think, come on. Fucking <laughs> I had Carol. To pull it I think out. the first thing that we need to like stress is that these types of relationships can get can be dangerous, and so yeah. always like put your safety first. And so when we say put him on extinction, like sometimes that may not be the best move, right? So you need to consult with a professional. Um, you need to make sure, um, you're not going to be physically harmed or they're like, in my situation, when I was getting divorced, like I couldn't have put my, when I was still in the previous phase, if I put my husband's behavior on extinction, one of us would have died. Like there, it was that abusive. So I wouldn't have recommended me to do that. I had to pretend that everything was okay to get through it and be like, everything's fine. Let me the fuck out of here. Bye. Like slowly move myself away. So yeah, definitely think about what situation you're in and what harm it might cause and reach out for help. um, But essentially what I did was I put him on extinction after that. And I did do, like I said, I did, um, it's called gray rocking from what I've read up on narcissism. Um, that's like a common term people use. And so you essentially like avoid conflict at all costs and you start to make yourself seem uninteresting and like you're not valuable to them. Right. So yeah, I'm a horrible BCBA. That's what I was like. You're right. You're so you know? ugly, like, Carol. You're I'm disgusting. not going to be successful. Yeah. Like I was just like, yeah, like he's just letting him. Right. And I was agreeing and I was like, you know, I'm not good enough for you. Um, and so that's what I did. And I, then I put him on extinction. I blocked him on all, you know, like phone number, Facebook, Instagram, all the things. Um, it was like a very hard extinction. And I forgot one place. I forgot to block him on Venmo. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> and so. It's called a resurgence <laughs> behavior, right? It's like not only just spontaneous recovery where he's like continuing to do things randomly. Now resurgence, a new Person. behavior he's never done before. Yeah. I'm going to Venmo a little message. Mm-hmm. There was That's an nice. You should hope he reaches out at least like a hundred times and you can make 500 bucks. <laughs> I he $5, right? I, he's blocked on, no, you can, I blocked him on Venmo now. So he's Good. like purely on extinction. Um, but yeah, so that's what I did. Um, and there are different 
Like if you are working through a relationship with a narcissist, there are different measures and interventions that, um, you know, like need to take place. But like I said, you need to consult with a professional. And the biggest thing is you have to understand that you're only responsible for your own like actions and behavior and growth, right? Like in both of my experiences in relationships with narcissists, I felt responsible. I wanted to help. I cared about these, or I do care about these individuals and I wanted to help them. And um, the only thing that saved me was understanding that I was not responsible for their well-being and their growth. And there's at some points, there's nothing you can do, right? You're only responsible for your own kind of things that you can control. And Mm -hmm. it's so amazing to be able to separate from what I can control and what I cannot control. And that is a humongous transformation in something I'm still trying to work on. Yeah. And I did want to add in too, when you um, implement like an extinction intervention, there are side effects, right? So we learn about this in the field. Um, And one of the big side effects of extinction is extinction induced aggression. So (laughs) that's kind of what Casey was getting at. Like she couldn't put her ex-husband on extinction um, so just be very aware of that. Um, when we say consult with a professional, like, it's please do. I'm serious. Yeah. And we are not yeah. that. We are not that professional. We're talking about one isolated situation. Um, we still have taken precautions not to use names. Um, we don't want to do that for anyone else, like dealing with something else. We also, again, we are not professionals in this. We just you know. keep yourself safe and reach out to um, hotlines if you need them. Also, um, if you're just in a mild relationship that you're starting to just like date on Bumble, right? And you see these signs that we've talked about, how about you do this and you get the F out. Listen to the feathers before the Mac trick hut hits you. Okay. So the feathers. Yeah, this brings us full circle full to circle our the first episode. episode. The feathers were like, ooh, that little whisper in your face. Like, oh, and he's like being a little creepy or asking you a little too much about yourself or he's like, like Carol, like standing over you in bed would be like some like strong feathers, right? Like standing over you in bed, like that's a strong. Like you to get the fuck out of their house. That should be. But like the max is like when you end up marrying them and divorcing them four months later, like I went through. So please listen to the feathers, everyone out there. And we wanted to bring you an episode that would be a little bit different than what's going on in our world right now, but something that I think everyone can actually relate to because there's not probably anyone out there that is. And if someone is going through this right now at home, right? Like if someone is going through this at home, I'm sure it's very, it's already an isolating time being in, you know, quarantine. It's also really isolating when you are trying to protect someone that you're not even confident in your relationship. And like, you know, I remember like in my head, like looking at Carol and being like, this is so sad because even when it was like, okay, we're not going to talk about him together. I like told her, I was like, Carol, look, I cannot talk to you about him anymore. Like, and it's sad because that person who needs you the most can't have you. No, it wasn't, I wasn't there for her as a friend, but it's like, she also knew like I'm protecting something that's like a shitty relationship. So it's just like, you know, and I think externally, if you're a friend seeing someone else go through this, probably one of the best things you could do is let someone know that like, look, you're going to be there for them regardless at the end of it. Because, you know, there was times where I wanted to be like, Carol, literally, why did you waste my time having me talk? You know, 
But at the same time, it's like to be that friend, to know someone, you really are that. They're in a shitty situation as it is. It's not like they're like proud of it. It's fucking embarrassing, actually, I'm sure. Was it, Carol? It is. Very embarrassing. Yeah. And so, like, it's like the worst thing you could do is like be even more. You're this person's already isolating you. Like, and they now, get like, it. They know that there's like not being there time. And yeah. I think that so, like one of the biggest things I saw of Liat as a friend, and I just want to like leave you with this, Liat, too, because um, when Carol was going through this, and I, I'm such a cancer sign of like, oh well, like you know, maybe forgive him, like, but like whatever and like liat held fast and true and strong to who she like what she believed in with the situation <laughs> and to the point where it was like wow like she really did hold strong and mm-hmm. it was um something that i love most about liat and for everyone listening i think i don't think we take enough time to like tell us tell you guys about us but like liat's friendship that when you have her friendship there is nothing better and it's like she believes in you and she trusts you and she will do. Well, also it was painful anything. the same way. She has your back. She, she has your back. What she believes in, in all areas That's of her I mean, life. Like, and it does yeah. not. Yeah. It generalizes for sure to her friends and like her people. Like she. And she has the intuition. The intuition you have for people in general where you're like, Casey, no, I don't think also- that person's good or I do think they're good or I have a good feeling about their energy or I don't. And I'm like, well, okay. And then we're like, talk and i'm like oh my god you're totally right all the time no it's also though like with study notes i've come into contact with like the most like badass woman like literally like i feel like so blessed that i like front lines that like like people have access to see what i'm like and then they're like oh i like her too i'll reach out so i get like first dibs on friends and when i find someone awesome i'm like all right like i will if i have a friend i love i will do anything for and and I'm just so lucky the three of us have like, yeah, been so tight. You guys are amazing. Yeah. I love you. And so we much. speak Carol, the same language. We speak the same la- language. <laughs> and I got to sleep in the same bed as Carol. Night. <laughs> and <laughs> the happy ending. Can you give us a little bit of an update on your life right now? So I essentially had been um, talking to this guy for several years. He was like the first guy that I started talking to after my divorce. Um, And we had this like weird, like connection. We had never met. Um, And I'm like Liat and I, I'm like Liat and I. Yeah. So, you know, like going through the like breakup, what always gets you is, you know, deprivation (laughs) and most change a few days after the breakup. I'm sitting at home alone with my dogs and I'm missing my ex-boyfriend. Um, and so like any good behavior analyst, I get a replacement behavior in place, get on Bumble, start swiping. And I run into Derek, the guy that I've been talking to for the few years. And I was just like bored. We're just, you know, being silly because we had each other's numbers, obviously. So we were chatting on Bumble and he was just like, go on a date with me. And I was like, I'm free tonight thinking that he was going to say, you know, like, no, I can't tonight or I have to work or whatever. And, and you put him on the came. spot. You put him right on the spot. <laughs> I did. He put me on the spot. He was like, why are you like chatting with me on Bumble? Text me. Like, let's go on a date. Quit the bullshit. And so we did. And it was just so easy. We, it was like sitting there. We went to my favorite coffee shop and, we sat and talked for hours and we have like 
been inseparable since. And, and that my- shows us that relationships, everyone says they're hard work and they do get like a little difficult, but they shouldn't be that hard that you are no. like, let me schedule this time into my day that I could speak to this person now, blah, blah, blah. Like that's or, or like, I need to keep a journal about the things that they've done to me. Like I exactly. remember my ex-husband, I had a, a notepad in my iPhone of like on three twenty whatever date, like did this psycho thing, like all these things, like now <laughs> I'm so blessed and happy that I have my amazing husband. When I met him again, we've been married for almost a year, but together for three and a half. And the little arguments we get into are like normal. Like there's not, there's no toxicity. It's like, I'm like, um, why didn't you clean up the dishes last night? Like that, like kind of argument, like nothing. And it's so amazing. And, um, we're so happy for you and we're huge fans. Yeah, I'm a huge fan too. Of what? Important. Of behavior bitches or of your, of your boyfriend? Both. Of all of the above. <laughs> Carol, we're so incredibly happy to have you because this is a longstanding um, invitation that we've been waiting to do with you. And I'm so happy that we're happy you're in a good enough place to talk about it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Hopefully this one person who's listened, hopefully if you're in something similar, um, you know, even this gives you the strength or gives you some ideas or, you know, someone you could get to listen to, maybe this will like hit home to what someone's going through. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, you're a friend, you're, you're going to post going some resources, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And then the contact number. So if you are in a dangerous situation, um, we'll post, you know, like the abuse hotline number for you guys. The biggest thing is just don't isolate yourself. Like if your friends and family, like for whatever reason, like my experience was I didn't include my family because I knew they were going to do take whatever, like they were going to get me out of it. Um, and my, I was losing my friends. Right. And so you can get isolated, seek professional help. Like, um, it's not something, it's not something to be shamed, like, embarrassed of and it is very serious it can be very serious so um don't I so if you find that you have to if you're trying to like hide something someone's doing or something it's probably a good sign that's a good 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 sign that something is up I was just gonna say and that's one of the big things I've noticed with Derek is like I rarely feel the need to talk to my friends and family about him like obviously it comes up in conversation but um, I am just so excited for everybody to meet him, you know, and everybody that does meet him, like, it's like, yeah, he's just a good guy. Normal guy. You know? it's so natural. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I know my, my friends so, like, are like, oh, Matt's just normal. I'm like, normal. What is normal? Right. No one knows what that is, but like, that's just a good guy. Like, it's so great. Yeah. I'm so happy we've both found them. And also clearly Liat has found it with Ellie on baby. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Um, I could not have loved this episode more having the three of us together again. I wish we were actually sitting on the floor of the old office in that friggin' apartment building. I really don't wish we were there, but I wish we were in person um, because I miss you guys so much, like physically. And we'll um, plan something when I get back from Hawaii. Yeah, we'll plan Perfect. something when you get back from Hawaii. And we're so excited. And this virus is under control. And also, yeah. um, Carol, thanks for sharing your story. Because I know it's really tough. It's, um, it's not something that anyone wants to come on and share. And it's something that I think a lot of people will be like, 
<sighs> Thank you. So I'm glad, like Liat said, that I'm in a place now where, you know, I feel comfortable opening up and I do want, um, you know, this, like I said, isolation is the scariest part of it. So speak up, um, connect with people, connect with professionals, get help. Yeah. Tell your family, tell your friends. Um, all right. Well guys, it is episode 43 coming to an end. I can't believe we have made it this far. It's amazing. And it's also quarantine city everywhere. So all we have to do is podcast. So we might switch up our podcasting and do a little bit more for you guys. So stay tuned for that information. You guys know where to find us. We are on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast, Facebook at Behavior Bitches Podcast, or BehaviorBitches.com. You know where to leave a review. Do that in the Apple Podcast app because we literally live for that. And we, and we read them thing. every single episode. So come on, yeah. guys, do it. Yeah. We reinforce your behavior. Going. So thank you so much. As always, love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who help us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. Mm